Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we, we continued the conversation in John 4. Man, John's gospel. I mean, I mean, I guess we knew it was great, yeah. but uh, it's so great. It's, it's even greater than you think, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the things that I don't know that I've ever really thought too much about before the, this preaching this time, even though I think I've, I mean, I know I actually looked at a previous sermon. I've yeah. preached this, uh, I've preached this sermon before. I've preached this text before. I've certainly read the book of John, probably more than any other Bible book, maybe Ephesians. Yeah. I don't know, but you probably translated John. I did. In, I did. In I probably translated this passage. And so anyway, um, yeah, so I've read this a lot, but the one little detail that was very striking to me is that uh, the woman at the well, she leaves her water jar. That mm-hmm. was something that I only just now noticed. Like mm-hmm. she's, she, and the irony is, is, you know, at first she's like, Jesus, give me some of this water. Like she's so focused on, you know, I would say kind of, and I think we're going to talk about this, like what I can get back from this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something happens to her and she totally forgets about all of that. Yeah, that's and, fascinating. And she just goes and, and tells her town about Jesus. So mm-hmm. isn't, isn't that like, the beauty of continued Bible study though, like good point. year over year studying your Bible. Like you don't get to check John off and never return mm-hmm. to it. It's a living word. It speaks to you where you are. I know. And like a literally, I mean, this is not, it's not like I've just read it before. I've like preached it before mm-hmm. and you're always discovering new things. You're always seeing new connections. So yeah, I'm joined by Jeremy Brooks and Blake Rogers. Uh, glad you guys are here. What, what, what are some impressions that you guys had on the sermon? Um, I, I love that you kind of address the mountain worship versus like worshiping God in spirit and truth. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, there's a way to worship God where you worship God for the benefits that he brings. And then there's another way to worship God, which is like you worship God for the beauty of who he is that you've, you've seen God in your response is worship. And like, um, really wanted to tease that out a little further to say, you know, to worship God for his benefits, you being the recipient of those benefits, is that not just self-worship at the end of the day? I mean, and I think that's where, uh, what a lot of worship is. Uh, It's it's what I like to call like marketplace worship, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, when I go, um, you know, down here to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee and give them money, okay, um, and I'm nice to them, I have a relationship with them. I have a relationship with Starbucks, but it's a marketplace relationship, right? The mm-hmm. reason that I have a relationship with them is because I, you know, I want a cup of coffee. Grande, I, I, grande flat white. That's right. I love the flat whites. Blake knows me well. I want this thing in return from them. Um, it's ultimately a self kind of focused transaction. And I do think a lot of people you know, go to God with that. It's, it's okay. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this for you. And, and, and that's what mountain word, you know, you got to get the right mountain 
And when you go up on the mountain, you got to do the right things. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things, then you can expect the blessing of God. Um, and I think one of the reasons that even like something like the word of faith movement, for example, can be so dangerous is because it pushes people actually away from the worship of God because of his true beauty. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this kind of manipulation of God kind mm -hmm. of thing. This, okay, I, I can, I can corner God here and make him do this for me. If I just, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the precise thing you have to do is have enough faith, whatever that means, mm -hmm. worship enough, you know, pray enough. And then it becomes like, okay, I can, I can kind of manipulate, uh, I have this really powerful genie is kind of what it's yeah. like, mm -hmm. um, that I can kind of manipulate to do whatever I want to do, which ultimately, as you said, like, that's not worship. That's, yeah. that's self-worship. You're, you're using God as a tool. You're using God. You have a marketplace relationship with him. And, but true worship comes when you actually just see the beauty of God, that he is God and he's actually worth our lives and he's worth our attention and he's worth our focus. Um, and, and I think that's what happens to this woman. She, mm -hmm. she comes to Jesus at first mm -hmm. with kind of a marketplace request and then she's changed when she yeah. really understands who he is. And change is so key, like the change of heart to actually discern or behold the beauty of God, the worth of God. It's, it's a miracle. It has to happen because in some sense, I think we, we are actually always true worshipers in that we always worship what we think is beautiful. We always worship what we think has worth, what we think has value. You know, we think that this flat white has value to my life. And so I'm going to pursue it. And it does have value. <laughs> yeah. You it's know? a good thing, yeah. but it's not ultimate. That's um, right. It would be bad for that to be your God. Um, <laughs> and, and it would be devastating to your life. And, but that's how we live. We do live as, as worshipers always. That's right. And so this is a good, that's what our hearts do. Yeah. You know, Matt Papa, he helped write this uh, little field guide that we have on corporate worship. Well, and it's a lot of it is book. Yeah. Look and live. Look and live. I don't know if we have a copy. A great right. book. You should buy it on Amazon, mm -hmm. support the ministry of Matt Papa. But he, um, you know, he, he talks about, you know, aiming our worship. You know, our, our, we're always worshiping something. Our job is to worship the true and most ultimate thing. And we aim our worship at that, seeing God for who he is, aiming our worship at him mm -hmm. as image bearers. So how does that change happen where we begin to worship God? Well, I think, I mean, things that we talk about, like regeneration, right? I think revelation, that's why we need revelation. When did this woman's heart change, you could say, mm -hmm. I would say, when Jesus revealed himself to her, mm -hmm. when, when she yeah. actually saw that she was speaking to the Messiah yeah, and that she was the, 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 this, so she had been discipled well enough. She had that's had right. enough revelation. And that's why like the end part, we talk about the harvest, like Jesus is saying, now the harvest is here. Like mm -hmm. there was enough knowledge in the Samaritans that they knew that there was a God. Mm -hmm. They knew that they needed that God. They needed that, They knew that they needed to be restored to the God. They knew that there was some mystery about that God and they were waiting for the Messiah to come and reveal that. Yeah. So she already kind of knew that, that there was a possibility of Messiah out there. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, I am him. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it changes her. I think it's worth like just reading in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
And that is our, that is our hope mm-hmm. is that we would see, you know, all of our hearts are longing for Messiah, mm-hmm. right? Whenever we see Jesus as the one who says, I who speak to you, I, I, the person in front of you, I am the one who is the Messiah. I am the deliverer and our hearts melt, right? And we get heart of flesh instead of heart of stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome just to see this play out in this, the testimony of this woman. And, then, and, and yeah, and then the very next thing she does, I mean, verse, that's verse 26 that Blake just read. Verse 27, the disciples come back, we learn a little bit about them. But then verse 28, the, the, the next time we hear something happening to her, it says, and I love this, she left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Mm. Can this be the Christ? And so her immediate response mm-hmm. is to go and tell. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, that's what we, tr- I was trying to get at this when I was talking about the motivation for evangelism. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Christians like face evangelism is this dutiful thing that we have to do. It's really a response to worship. It's, mm-hmm. it's really an overflow to worship. I think John Piper says something like missions exist because worship does not. How, mm-hmm. how does he yeah. say that? That's exactly That's it. it. Okay. Yeah. You just quoted John Piper. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I got it right, John, if you're listening. But uh, yeah, it's so missions exist because worship is not. If, if you've really worshiped, right, if you've really ascribed worth to something and you've seen how worship, how worthy something <laughs> is, you your, your, your result of that is you're like, I want, I want other people to see how worthy God mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I want other people to see how beautiful this is. Yeah. And we live in a weird time when I say weird, I mean, it's unique, right? Where we are independently sufficient. Like the, where do these people go for water? They go to the communal well, mm-hmm. right? They share the good things among themselves. What happens whenever she hears and sees a good thing? She goes and she tells her community mm-hmm. who withholds good things from the community. That's right. And we do in America. We're taught self-sufficiency. You can have your own individualized space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's something that we as Christians really need to work against. And I love that about our church. I think our, our church family is a small picture of just a Christ-centered community who shares good things, testimony, encouragement, accountability, even resources, time, talent. And all of these things, there, there's a there's a communal aspect of in our church. That's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Well, and and but this is a good point, Blake. So as Christians, we have the beloved community, or sometimes I refer to it as like the inward facing community. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of our communities. Even right now, like we all go to church together. Mm-hmm. We're all beloved. Um, like I love you guys. I'm for you guys. I, I want y'all to do well. I believe that, that y'all have the same feelings toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also are part of outward facing That's communities right. or what I would call like missional community. Like, so, right. So we're, or ambassador communities, right? You're placed in a setting. So we all live in neighborhoods, you know, Blake goes to an awesome gym, obviously, <laughs> you know, Jeremy, you know, is engaged with his neighbors. And so those are places where these are people that are around us all the time. Like this Samaritan woman that we love, you know, we should love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We should love our gym people in a different kind of way. It's not this covenantal in Christ love, but it's mm-hmm. a, That's right. it's the same kind of love that this woman had for her community, even though they hadn't met Messiah yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and we have to be thinking about that too, as Christians. So we need both communities yeah. mm-hmm. and we're called from one community as we scatter into another community 
for the Lord to use us there. And community is, it's kind of a buzzword. Like, you know, I just want good community. I just got a buzz when you said that. Yeah. Community. <laughs> like got a buzz, right? I need another flat white to get that buzz. But, <laughs> and, but anyway. the word is great. I like the word because it, it has in it like commune, this idea of sharing. And so any community is always a sharing kind of situation among people. Mm -hmm. If it's the inward facing community of the church, we are sharing our lives. If it's the outward facing community of the not church. We're sharing our lives in a sense, but we're wanting to share the, the witness of Christ. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's always a sharing going on. That's so that's, I like that word. Community. So let's talk about some of those outward facing relationships, Jeremy. Um, and I think you had like just kind of a thought on how does, how do those work? Mm -hmm. Right. Because the boldness, the courage, the precision, the, I mean, because like, for example, Ashish Blake and I, we have a shared worldview in so many ways. We, the, our relationship is, is quicker. I can just say Blake da -da 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 -da, and there's more quick understanding or even like for correction, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know I share a worldview with Blake mm -hmm. or because he knows, he, I'll just use me, he, he shares a worldview, he can correct me, he can appeal to the same kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't share that worldview, it's a little harder. Yeah. And so how do we kind of develop those relationships? Yeah, that's, I think that's a great question. And that was a big takeaway too for me from the sermon, just you using this language, which is from the passage, you know, that, you know, what does it say? Um, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Verse 35, you know, harvest language, farming language, relationships are things that we cultivate and they're like plants. You know, you water them, you make sure they have adequate sunlight. You had to have put a seed in the dirt. <laughs> you had to buy some dirt and then put that seed there, put some water there. And over time it grows. And, and those, that's how relationships work. And, and um, I love that we're actually doing that with our kids right now, like we're growing little plants and they're just seeing like, Oh, these things are, these things are taking time. But every day there's a little more something that's going on here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's just amazing. And I think relationships are also like that. You look back and you're like, wow, look at what's grown. Look at all the conversations that we've had. And so you do have to have some discipline though, I think for that's that, right. because these little plants that we're growing, these little Alaskan, whatever they are, they, I do have to water them every day. There's been plenty of plants that I've had and maybe plenty of relationships where if I didn't water them, if I wasn't disciplined, if there wasn't a rhythm of speaking and doing something together, you know, they withered and died. And, and, and that's unfortunate, but that, that's true. That's what happens. And so I love that analogy of harvest, right. um, of farming. And to your point about, uh, you know, worldview differences, you know, I was talking with my buddy Sumit, you know, we, we run and we have some different backgrounds and, uh, you know, he's, he's not a Christian. And we talked a lot about Christmas and why Jesus came and why Jesus had to die on the sin, uh, on the cross for our sins. And, um, at one point he asked me about, uh, you know, God's righteousness and, and I said, well, God, God is the standard of what's right. He's like, Oh, really? <laughs> you know, that was a, that was a fundamental difference in right. our understanding of right and wrong, mm -hmm. that God is the standard of yeah. righteousness. And so, but that just came out through running and talking and doing things together, you know? So. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think, I think to your point, I mean, I love everything you just said. Um, I mean, just taking the analogy a little further, right? You, you don't want to do something to hurt the growth of the plant, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Christians you know, can get a little too eager to see 
fruit or growth. Like sometimes yeah. it just takes time and you got to be very patient. Um, and, you know, and, and I think just being, so again, I think that's what frustration that I have some with some of our, my Christian friends is, is that they can hurt the outward facing they, they don't understand the difference between inward facing relationships and outward facing relationships. And so they have the expectation, uh, you know, if you, if you said to me, um, why do I need to do what's right? Like, who cares what God has to say? Well, then as a brother in Christ, I would say, brother, like you profess the name of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, a, you're saying I'm a disciple of Christ. So like, mm-hmm. if you're a disciple, there's a, you're, this is yeah. this is what it means to follow Christ, mm-hmm. but with somebody else, like it takes it take that's outside of that. It takes so much. It's it's a different way that we would talk to them about morality or mm-hmm. what they're doing, mm-hmm. and so yeah, what I, it's what I like to call the discipleship gap. Like how are we narrowing the discipleship yeah. gap and bringing them to become a follower? Mm-hmm. And for some people, like the discipleship gap is really really wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, right, and it just takes time. That's right. And the motif that Jesus has here. I mean, what is he doing? He's going to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Like he's not sitting back, the sage who with the, you know, uh, what did you call it? The the Bible verse machine gun. Yeah. And yeah. Just, I mean, like he he's he's meeting people where they are, meeting them in the needs of their lives and showing that, yes, these are real needs, but I have something better to offer. You know, he's he's a loving savior. He he's a a loving pursuer of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that. And I think, you know, we all should have relationships in our lives where we are not withholding the good from the community where, yeah. because we want to worship God. And as a response to our worship to God, we're loving others and drawing them into the good of our savior mm-hmm. yeah. and not withholding. And I think that's, you know, there's a tension there, right? There's a tension between, just let everybody believe what they believe, you know, kind of have a pluralistic idea. And then on the other side, like Bible verse machine gun, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so we want to bring people into truth, just like we want the plant to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, if you're a good farmer, you don't just say, all right, I got a field. We'll see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way a lot of people think about their lives, think about their Christian witness. You know, if, if there's a piece of fruit out there, I'll pluck it, but I'm not really going to do anything more than that. But a good farmer, he tills the soil, he cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the seed, he fertilizes the seed. And and I would just say to our, my friends, are you, do you just have a piece of land or do you have a farm? Like, are yeah. you, mm-hmm. are you cultivating the land that God's given you, the relationships God's given you, or are you just seeing if anything will come up? Mm-hmm. Um, now, cultivating the land doesn't mean, you know, uh, you know, going out there and just saying like, where's the fruit? You know, I'm going to get the fruit. Like you'll never grow fruit that way. Right. Yeah. The Bible verse machine gun <clears throat> ultimately is not going to produce. It may make you feel more self-righteous. It may make you feel better about yourself, yeah. but it's not actually going to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So I think uh, you also mentioned earlier, Blake, like the, my buddy, uh, the yeah. my buddy doll. And I didn't, one of the things I didn't know about Blake, Jeremy, is that he actually has a My Buddy doll. I still have a My Buddy doll in my house, but my son, it lives in my son's room. I you, guess you, you could say stays there because it's not really a living thing. But um, Did you name your My Buddy? Or no, it was just My Buddy. It was just My Buddy, yeah. 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 <laughs> His name buddy. is on his chest. It's just, <laughs> it's just My Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you didn't necessarily know there were other My Buddies out there. It was um, just My Buddy. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my parents gave me this yeah. this awesome doll whenever they were popular, and they came with a jingle. My uh, Jason, buddy, there my it is. buddy, <laughs> yeah. wherever I go, he goes, my right. buddy. Mm. It was it was a great jingle. It's a great jingle. Um, but I, you know, I thought that was a really funny kind of way of of exposing something that is true in us, right? We we do just want this my buddy God who just goes with us wherever we goes and doesn't really like confront us in, in our thinking, in our actions. He's just there when he's our buddy. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, uh, um, the Christian Smith thing. It's the therapeutic deism, yeah. right? And it, it's just, there is a God. We know he's out there. We don't really, he's not very defined. He's therapeutic, right? Moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm-hmm. Like he's, we know he's good. Now the moralistic it's like, that's kind of changing. It's, it's whatever morals, yeah. it's not, that, that may not be by revelation. Right. It just may be like, I know I'm good because God says I'm mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And God says, whatever I think is good is good. So mm-hmm. therefore I'm good. And my so it's, it's moralistic <laughs> affirmation. It's my buddy moralistic affirmation. And then it's, it's my buddy therapy. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm down. But yeah. you know, when you're down, I'm sure there was a lonely day in Blake Rogers' childhood, guys. When, you know, something didn't work out for him. He wasn't quite hitting that nine iron just right. Mm. He didn't, you know, maybe he didn't make, uh, you know, three levels up on the baseball team. He only made two levels up from his age. And, you know, my buddy was there to comfort him. He was there smiling. In the good, <laughs> in the, in the good day, in the good and the bad. My yeah. buddy was there just affirming me, smiling at me. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, the, 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 the tricky part, though, is, Blake, is, and that's what I wanted to say. Like, it's not like God, it's not like the revelation of God is always harsh. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it is no. incredibly comforting. Like God's not going to leave us or forsake us. And so right. that's really good. So th- there are things that the Lord says that are incredibly comforting, that are incredibly, um, you know, they, they still our hearts. But God is, it's not, it's not, you don't just get to pick and choose, right? Mm, right. God is not just whatever you like to imagine about him and you pick the Bible verses you like. You have to understand his whole revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, he is defined. Yeah. Um, and it can, uh, it can also kind of be painted in a picture like non-Christians only see God as this, like who just does whatever I say. He's made in my image. He tells me, he affirms everything that I say is right. But Christians also at times struggle with that. And that's why we need the Christian community to remind us, Hey, like you're, that's not the real God. And I know that you know the real God. And so I'm going to remind you of that. Yeah, there, there is, there's, it's not just secular humanism, mm-hmm. right? There is a Christian humanism mm-hmm. and it's a humanism with, you know, kind of Christian symbols, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so we also talked about, um, you know, Hemingway a little bit yesterday. Yeah, that's uh, good. I like the book, the sun also rises. I don't know that I'd recommend it again. Like all these books that I like, it's kind of like, I don't know if I want my church members reading a bunch of David Foster Wallace, but if if you're shrewd, you can read it. It, He he lets you in on some things and and Hemingway's like that too. Yeah. I really like Hemingway because he, he, he got, now he was not a believer, ultimately committed suicide, just like David Foster Wallace. I guess all my favorite authors are very dark people, but, um, but one of the things I like about them is they get the struggle of the human soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the, they, they speak to the need of the soul for a Messiah, mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, again, they're not using that kind of language. Right. But mm-hmm. 
that's what they're yeah they're articulating something that every human feels like we were born with these tensions yeah. and they're able to dispel them through story and it's just amazing they actually <laughs> don't know as much as the samaritan woman mm-hmm. she had those feelings yeah, right. but she knew that Messiah there was, was a, coming. there was a yeah. solution yeah. yeah she was looking for a messiah but i i loved how you you know you kind of were evangelizing us in a sense you know you were you were saying, well, I, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for a Messiah. Like, what would you say to that? And I thought you bringing in Hemingway and how you bring in David Foster Wallace and those kinds of things are really helpful. But I think that would be a helpful thing to touch a little more on, you know? Yeah, I, I think that the, the I mean, we, we use as a grid God, man, Jesus response, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's actually really, really helpful. So, okay, God what is your concept of God, mm-hmm. right? Is there a God? Like in order to really lead someone to a response to, to faith in Christ, they have to actually believe in God. And some people mm-hmm. don't, right? Some people don't have any concept of God. Um, and so a lot of times there, I, I just speak to order. Like, how do you think that the world was ordered? Uh, morality is a good one. You know, why do you have this understanding of good and evil? Um, the, you know, justice, like, is there any justice in the world? And then how do you know that, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, man. Okay. And then that's kind of what I was doing yesterday. Like, what is man? What is really in the heart of man? And we, you know, we spoke to the whole, like, why is it that we struggle with the present moment? Why are we always thinking about the future? Um, and it's because we're sinners. We've been separated from God. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I always talk about at first Sunday, and y'all heard me say this a lot, you know, I do believe that in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were more aware of God than they were of themselves, which sure. is actually right awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think that sin created wrong awareness. Now they're more aware of self than they are of God. They have a reverse understanding of order. Mm-hmm. And so the Christian message kind of helps us to reorder that. But as long as you have a reverse understanding of order, it, it, you know, it, it's like Blake. Okay. So, you know, Blake knows I've been trying to learn how to play golf this year. Okay. <laughs> And you made a lot of improvements. I did. Well, yeah. one of the things, so here, this is huge. I never knew until this year that you're supposed to hit the ball on your downs, you know, the, 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 the low point of your swing comes after contact, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I should have known that. But I guess it's not natural. You wouldn't. Yeah, you it, wouldn't. You wouldn't just think that, yeah. right? And I never really like learned how to play golf. And so I just was doing mm-hmm. what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, as long as I'm hitting the ball where the low point of my swing is before contact. I'm never really, you know, it's always going to mess up. There's right. always going to be longing, if you will, brokenness <laughs> in my golf swing. Right. And so I had to have, I had to have like my mechanics reordered in order mm. to try to start hitting the ball correctly. And I still mess up, but at least I know why I hit the ball right. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, that's what has to happen with our soul. We, we have to kind of get reordered mm-hmm. and see that, look, you're, you're, you're swinging wrong here. Like you don't have the right low point, you know, or the center point rather of your life here. And it's never going to quite work as long as you do it that way. Mm-hmm. You may get lucky, you know, I mean, I may get lucky and hit like Every a decent a shot, yeah. but it's just, you know, it's, it's never really going to be a decent swing. So anyway, yeah. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but, but the point is, is, is we have to be reworked and, 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 and that's really the longing for Messiah. What can rework me? Who will free me from this body of sin? I mm-hmm. think is kind of the mm-hmm. idea. And then, and then Jesus, who is Jesus? What did he do? 
Why is it important? Why did we need him? So I'm always thinking when I'm evangelizing people, I'm asking, how do they understand? I'm not assuming that they understand God like I understand God. They understand man like I understand man. They understand Jesus like I understand Jesus. I'm asking myself the question, how are they understanding these things? And how can I help them close the gap on that? Well, and I think a key thing, which I think you model, you just modeled it really well. Um, You model this so well, often you ask questions. Like that's a key aspect of evangelism, which is kind of contrary to what we've been taught. We've been taught go and speak these things, which is an essential element of evangelism. Mm -hmm. You must proclaim the good news. But it seems the best thing to do is to ask questions first and listen to the answers to those questions. And that will really guide how you are to speak. That's right. And you do that, you model that really well. It's kind of diagnostics, yeah. right? You, you have to diagnose how, I mean, you know, you, you can't, if you go to the doctor and they always just prescribe penicillin, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while, you'll hit the guy that right. needs yeah. penicillin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll be good. And that's why a lot, of, a lot of times people, I think, kind of strike out on evangelism is they, they kind of learn one thing and every once in a while, you'll find the one guy that needs the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're better if you kind of learn how to be a physician mm-hmm. and diagnose. That's, yeah. This is hard. I mean, it's not yeah. easy. It's not easy. And, and it's getting harder because, you know, y'all heard me talk about this before too. Like, you know, our parents, basically all of our parents, even though, you know, mine are probably a little bit older than y'all's, but like, you know, they're all probably in their 60s. Late fifties, so. late fifties, sixties. Jeremy's yeah. the young buck around us, yeah. but, but you know, our parents, they grew up in an era where things like the 10 commandments, like basically there was common agreement upon yeah. this. Right. So there was a, they were at the courthouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. To yeah. use Charles Taylor there, there, there was a social imaginary of how the world was supposed to work. That was, you know, somewhat mm-hmm. Christian based. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had a good starting block. It's not that those people were Christians, all of them, but they're, you know, the the God and the man question weren't 100% filled in, but they were like 60% filled in, right. you know. Now we're starting with like 20% maybe filled mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So we just have a little more work to do. It's, it's a longer process. It's a harder yeah. harvest. The mm-hmm. soil is not quite as ready mm-hmm. um, for harvesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, guys, any other, any closing thoughts? I would say, um, you know, one of the things that I took away was like in the Hemingway moment, you know, the whole like challenge to, to us all, like don't live in the past, don't live in the future, live kind of now is like understanding that God's grace is applicable for this moment Mm. for today. And just like find moments to, to rest in that, um, kind of the Sabbath idea that mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, Jeremy. Um, but w- when am I resting mm-hmm. and just like being present and knowing that that God is there and He's all that I need? And um, I just think it's very difficult to find those moments in our you know ever busy and increasingly busy world that we live in. And so, just a challenge to like all of us to to find that. Mm-hmm. There's always distraction. Yeah, yeah, you know. I had a follow-up kind of lunch with some folks after the sermon and they talked a lot about this final point that, that Jason made and to, to your point about, you know, finding that time to rest, find that time to Sabbath where you remember that Jesus identified 
with you yeah. and that he's currently advocating for you uh, before the father. And I mean, that's, that's where we find our rest mm-hmm. and peace. That's right. It's good. Mm-hmm. And I love the song that we sang, man, wasn't the singing so mm-hmm. great yesterday? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And so, but I love the song that we sang uh, before the throne. And, and uh, it's not just that we have a pretty good advocate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, before the father. It's a, and I love the line, a strong and perfect plea. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect advocate. It's mm-hmm. a perfect plea before God in Christ. And so we can find a lot of rest there. Mm-hmm. We can be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because our, That's right. our ultimate future, our eternal future is secure. Mm-hmm. Well, for Jeremy Brooks and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.